boys and girls, welcome back to a live episode of the Raw Prospect Podcast. We're recording episode 186 today. Uh, we're going through our top eight power rankings in the NFL. We're going to go through our last of our preseason rankings, since we didn't get to those before week one. And then the bulk of the episode will be discussing how we would change them after one week of football. But before we can get into all that, make sure you like on the video, leave a like on the video, subscribe to our channel, share it with your friends, share it with all your sports fan acquaintances. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just get right into this thing. Joining me from Houston, Texas, the Stack King himself, Mr. Michael Ween. How you doing? What's up? How are you? Uh, long day of work, but we're here. It's a Wednesday night, about 8.45 p.m. For the next hour or so, we're going to be revealing the top eight preseason power rankings that we just did not have the time to get to before the season started. And then we are going to get into our top eight power rankings after week one, considering what a little bit of what we saw in week one, but also kind of what we base the preseason power rankings on in that, you know, the top teams are the teams that are going to have most likely the best Super Bowl chances. So we'll be kind of projecting – it's really early on in the season, but uh, a lot of this ranking is based on your prospects to win the Super Bowl or at least get to, you know, the deeper rounds of the playoffs, such as the ASC-NFC championship game. So it's going to be a fun hour. Um, hopefully we have some fans tune in live here pretty soon. But let's jump right into – the preseason power rankings eight to one, as I'm sure people are eager to know who we had ranked where. Um, number eight, we had the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Um, just based on the like upgrades they made at receiver, thought it was pretty easy to put them up at number eight. Seven, we had the New York Jets. A lot has changed there, and we'll get to that later. Six, we had the Dallas Cowboys, my Dallas Cowboys. And then at number five, the Buffalo Bills. Number four, we had the San Francisco 49ers. Three, we had the Cincinnati Bengals. And then two and one were the two teams in the Super Bowl last year, the Philadelphia Eagles and then the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So um, now for the fun part, we're going to get into um, our changes. We both um, basically, as soon as week one ended, we were like, we didn't get to finish our preview rankings, but now we can reveal them and with a little bit of a twist. So now we're going to show our have our updated rankings and discuss those. So... Um, I'll have you go first. Who did you have at number eight? I kept the Baltimore Ravens at number eight. Um, really like Baltimore. Do you want to – there are two ways to do this. Do you want to go back and forth, eight, eight, seven, seven, six, six, or do you just want to reveal our rankings and have a discussion? On um, let's let's just go back and forth. I think because okay. I just wanted to put that out. There's there. going to be a lot of overlap anyway. I think. Yeah. Um, 
I kept Baltimore at eight. I mean, pretty status quo performance week one against the Houston Texans. Uh, really like what they did, bringing in Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator. Love some of the moves they made on the offensive side, drafting um, Zay Flowers, who you gave your prospect of the week to yesterday. Uh, bringing in Odell Beckham, also signing Nelson Aguilar to go along with Mark Andrews, Devin DuVernay, uh, and Rashad Bateman, who will eventually be back if he's not already. Um, I think he is, yeah. He is. Enter Todd Munkin, who was you know the offensive coordinator for the two-time defending champion Georgia Bulldogs, has some NFL experience already with Tampa Bay from 2016 to 2018 and Cleveland in 2019. Uh, he's praised for his ability to mold his scheme to the personnel that he has. Uh, really like some of the things I saw in week one. I think this will be a more explosive offense given the weapons that they added. And it just seems that Lamar Jackson, now that he has that contract situation sorted out and um, – he just seems to improve on one area of his game, even if it's like the smallest nuanced thing from a year-to-year basis. I think he could have the type of year uh, that could put him in MVP conversations and he could elevate Baltimore to being one of the better offenses in football. On the defensive side, I think there are some more que- there are some more question marks, but uh, I, I, I am – the more I watch it, I am higher on this defensive front. Um, I love uh, Odafe um, Owe. Yeah. I say it. Uh, you know, he, he was a high upside guy coming out of Penn State. Not any career sacks coming out of college. Very raw, raw prospect. I mean, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, but uh, coaching staff seemed to have, you know, tapped into his potential. Love what they did middle of last year, bringing in uh, Roquan Smith, who seems to elevate his partner in crime, Patrick Queen, to be a more complete linebacker on a more consistent basis. I like the pieces they have in the secondary. The big question is who's opposite Marlon Humphrey. Um, but I mean, look, with Matabuke and the other guys that they have up front. Baltimore is always going to have a solid defense. And I think this offense could be, you know, really, really good. Top 10, top eight in the league. I think they are in the Super Bowl bubble. That's what I would consider top eight teams in the league. It's about one fourth of the league. I think every year that has a chance to actually go win a Super Bowl. And I think Baltimore's solidly right now in that group. Yeah. Um, I think, the interesting part about their pass rush is David Ojabo. He's the guy that I've had my eye on um, simply because last year um, they he missed the entire rookie season, um, his entire rookie season with his Achilles injury, Achilles injury that he suffered during the draft process. But before that Achilles injury, he was looking to be a top 15-ish pick in the 2022 draft. So um, he had two sacks i believe it was on sunday so had a really good uh, opening performance and i'm definitely going to have my eye on him cuz he's going to be a big part in whether this ceiling is going to be high for this baltimore ravens team um for me i made a slight change i did bump the baltimore ravens out and uh 
y'all may not like the team that I ended up switching them with, but I did go with the Cleveland Browns um, making a big jump. I think what we saw in week one confirmed everything that I had been saying in my preview rankings, which is that this defense is going to be incredible and that Deshaun Watson potentially doesn't even have to play well. He just has to not mess things up. And that's exactly how it went on Sunday. Um, I think this defense is top five in football. There's there's a lot of good defenses this year, but this one, man, they, they have depth at pass rush now, and they're finally able to stop the run with the addition of Dalvin Tomlinson. I was just really impressed with how things came together defensively. Yeah. Um, now it is one week, but look, the Cleveland, I said this yesterday on our reaction podcast, uh, that defense is going to be much improved. I think we didn't talk enough about Jim Schwartz being hired as as defensive coordinator. Um, that's one of the more underrated moves, I think of the off season when it comes to a coaching standpoint. And then we've talked, I think countless times now about Deshaun Watson, And if he can have a top 10 quarterback type of year, which is totally possible, um, then the sky is really the limit for a Cleveland Browns team that still has a solid offensive line, can run the football, be physical on both sides of the ball, win the line of scrimmage, uh, and already had, you know, last year a really, really good um, passing defense. Um, So – I I love the Browns. I didn't have them in my rankings. I, I need to see a little more. Um, yeah, that's fair. But uh, I can totally see where you're coming from there. Um, okay, my number seven, I pushed the Miami Dolphins into my rankings um, at number seven. Um, what they did on Sunday looked like a top three, top four dynamic offense in football uh, with the creative designs by Mike McDaniels, which I expect to continue to see and their calling card, the amount of speed that they present on offense, the amount of different looks and different things that they run on offense. If Tua plays anything close to that and can just stay upright. I mean, he led the NFL in passer rating last year, 105.5. Led the, led the NFL in yards per pass attempt at 8.9 yards per pass attempt. 25 touchdowns to eight interceptions. I mean, that was really solid when he was on the field. And the Dolphins won games when he was on the field. I believe they were like, I don't know, 8-0 and in his first eight starts or something crazy like that last year. Um, now that Aaron Rodgers goes down, and the Jets still, I think, have a solid team that can still compete. We'll, we'll see what they continue to look like at the quarterback spot, but they have a good enough defense. And I think good enough pieces surrounding that defense or sorry, surrounding uh, their quarterback on the offensive side. Well, there are some questions on the offensive line, but given that Aaron Rodgers goes down and I didn't that I haven't necessarily loved the way that Buffalo has looked going all the way back to middle of last year. I mean, I like the Dolphins' chances a little, even a little more now than I did maybe a week ago in this division. And I think that sets up well when we talk about their Super Bowl chances 
And I think this defense with Vic Fangio, who was another great hire, even though they gave up 34, what was it? Was it 34 or 31 on, on, on Sunday? Uh, um, it was 36, 34, I believe. Yeah. I think they gave up 34, right? It was 37, 34, something along those lines. I mean, the Chargers, they're going to put up points on a lot of good defenses this year. I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, I like their defense. I think it's going to be a really good defense. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to go any higher, but I do think the Dolphins, I mean, could beat really any of the teams above them right now in these power rankings on any given day. Yeah, I agree. Um, I did end up bumping the Dolphins into the list as well, but I do have them a little bit later on. Um, at seven, I have the Buffalo Bills. Um, there are some positives that they can take away from Monday night, believe it or not. They they kind of let the Jets stay in it, and that's really what ended up biting them in the butt later on in the game. But the defense played solid. Um, outside of a few explosive runs from Brees Hall, um, there wasn't really much to speak of in the run game for the Jets. And if Garrett Wilson doesn't make that spectacular catch on a, you know, a, a pretty good defensive effort from Tredavious White, to be fair, then we're looking at a completely different picture here, um, a completely different outlook. I still trust Josh Allen for the most part. I think that just comes with the territory. It's just, it's a lot of variance with him. Um, and you, I think with all of the explosive plays that he's able to make, you're willing to live with that. Um, I guess the reason I have them at seven is I don't know when Von Miller will be back. And when he does get back, how good will he be? Um, Greg Rousseau did look good. Leonard Floyd did look solid, but. At the end of the day, I think if this team is to win a Super Bowl this year, it, it's going to be a lot of Von Miller making a huge impact. Um, so until he comes back, um, I'm just going to have to see a little bit more from those edge rush guys. Fair enough. I had Buffalo at six. Um, I think that's one spot lower than we had him originally. Mm -hmm. You had him two spots lower. Um Look, I mean, last year they really struggled with turning the ball over. Their offense had 27 turnovers, second most in the NFL. Uh, although Allen is a dominant force, and he can put that team on his back whenever he wants to, and I still believe in Josh Allen. Like, I'm not out on Josh Allen by any stretch of the imagination. Um, like, this issue that's – now we've seen, dating all the way back to middle of last year-ish to right now, he's going to have to clean that up. It can't be every game that you're putting the ball in harm's way this much and putting you know, this much stress on your defense. We'll see when Vaughn Miller comes back. I do think they have a little bit of wiggle room here early. It is September. We've seen teams before – uh, get through, uh, you know, a mediocre September and end up at the end of the year uh, playing their best football, right? You don't have to be playing your best football right now to go win a Super Bowl. Uh, and I think that should be Buffalo's goal. Um, 
I still love Stefan Diggs. I I mean that connection still looked really really potent on on Sun, or Monday night. Um, didn't love the fact that they ended up losing that game, uh, but you're right. I mean the pass rush, we we still need to see something. Still want to see how this offensive line looks moving forward. Uh, you know for years now they've struggled to generate a running game outside of Josh Allen, a consistent running game outside of what Josh Allen provides. Uh, that I think a lot of that falls on the offensive line. Did like that they went out and signed Connor McGovern, I think, which should help. Uh, I think he's an upgrade at that left guard position. Um, but we'll see what that – they also drafted the guy out of Florida, right? Um, Osiris Torrance, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I, I got to watch their offensive line more closely. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are concerns, but there's still, you know, a lot of football, a lot, a lot of football left. Don't put too much right. stock into one game. Once they get Von Miller back, uh, I think you see Buffalo probably right back where they were as long as Josh Allen keeps the ball out of harm's way. Right. And, um, the last thing I'll say about Buffalo before I move on to my sixth team is um, I think a lot falls on the shoulders of that Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs connection. In my opinion, that's a little bit too much on the shoulders of that connection. Um, if you look back to that team that was in the divisional round and had that crazy game against the Kansas City Chiefs, that team also had Emmanuel Sanders. That team um, was able to spread the ball around a little bit more because they had four good weapons that Josh Allen trusted rather than just, I would say two and a half at the moment. Cause I don't know how, I don't know where Gabriel da Davis stands right now. Um, but regardless, I think moving forward, there's still reason to believe in the bills. Um, at number six, I had the Miami dolphins and a lot of that was simply because if I were to pick um, who would win the division right now, uh, I would pick them. And early, like before the season started, I was going to pick the Jets, but that's obviously um, off the table a little bit now that uh, Aaron Rodgers is out for the year. Um, I think Miami, the one concern from that week one uh, game was they gave up 234 yards on the ground. And historically, that Chargers team is not a good running team. Um, some of that could be just Kellen Moore trying to have a little bit more of a committee type of backfield like they had in Dallas. And some of it, I think, might just be week one in a Vic Fangio style defense. They just weren't um, quite as keyed in to their run fits as they would be in, say, a week 10, week 11, further down the line. So I think... It's something to watch for, um, but I'm not overly concerned about their run defense. And you already talked about their offense. I, I'm not going to rehash what you've already said. Their offense looks amazing, and it's not um, matchup dependent anymore. It just seems like an offense that in order to slow them down, you're going to have to create a insane defensive game plan. And it it's um it's just extremely fun to watch honestly yeah absolutely um okay my number 5 
I kept the Cowboys at five. I thought about moving them up, but I kept them at five. I think they're a solid top five team right now in the NFL um, with what that defense is. Uh, I mean, there's really no need to waste time and rehash what we talked about yesterday and what we saw on on Sunday, what that defense did. I don't think that would be an every week thing, but, I mean, that defense gives you a chance to win every game, and they're going to have more games like that. It might not shut out every team, but they're going to be all over the place. They're going to be the ball-hawking defense. They're going to be physical. They're going to overwhelm you at the line of scrimmage with Micah Parsons and all the guys that you know, obviously. I like the addition of Mozzie Smith. I think that'll help them in the running game. Uh, love their secondary, adding Stefan Gilmore, who already has a couple picks, I believe. Trayvon Days, we know, is an excellent playmaker. And then offensively, um, you know, you do lose Dalton Schultz, but CeeDee Lamb will be a vocal point. I love Tony Pollard running the ball. I liked what you saw from uh, offensive line at points in times on on sun or Sunday night. Um, but really for me, for the Cowboys, they're going to be there all year. They're going to win a lot of games. They might even win their division. Who knows? For me, it comes down to the playoffs. Right now it's about, I think for Dallas, what do you do in January? Uh, yep. Hopefully you don't get matched up with San Francisco again. Hopefully, but maybe if you do, maybe you're better equipped this time to match up with them. Who knows? That's a long way down the road. Uh, But uh, for me, it's all about, I mean, Dallas probably is going to win 11, 10, 11, 12 games. It's all about what they do come December and January. And I think they'll be right around this ranking for much of the season. Yeah, I agree. Um, I had the Cowboys at five as well. I just didn't really see much of a reason to move them up or down just because the top three in the NFC seems pretty set. And until Dallas, um, say on week five against the 49ers, beats one of those teams, um, I I just don't see a reason to move them above them. So – and then even if they did beat them in week five, I, I still would want to see them do it in the playoffs because that's always been the hurdle for this team. Um, there's there's really no excuse anymore. This team is there. And in my opinion, this team is deeper than the 49ers. The 49ers had to get rid of a lot of depth um, with this Christian McCaffrey trade and paying him $16 million and bringing in Javon Hargrave. They had to get rid of a lot of depth um, at key positions and particularly on offensive line as well. So um, I think the Cowboys are deeper roster wise and may even be better roster wise, depending on what Dak does. But until we see it, you can't move them above. Right. I agree. Okay. Um, so we're through four teams. We're through half the list. Let's get to the second half of the list in our top four. Uh, thank you to the one viewer who is in who is in the stream right now. Uh, leave your comment, leave your opinion, maybe even leave your rankings. Ask us a question, something. Leave a like on the video as well. Um, subscribe to the channel. Number four, 
I did a little bit of flip-flopping in my top four, but the teams are the same uh, as preseason. Uh, week one did nothing to dissuade me, although a couple of these teams did lose. Uh, nothing was that strong that it dissuaded me from, you know, making too many changes. But I do have a couple changes I think you'll find interesting. I, I bumped Cincinnati down to number four uh, after – the week one game. Now that's, I mean, Cincinnati, two straight AFC championships, a, you know, a Super Bowl appearance. They almost won that damn thing. If a couple plays had gone their way, they probably would have. Um, still love the offense. Uh, I think it's going to be explosive. Uh, they need to run the ball consistently with Joe Mixon. I just think. And I, I like their defense as well. I mean, we talk about DJ Reader, the guys they have on that defense. I'm ex really excited to watch uh, Dax Hill at safety yep, yep. position. Um, I mean, I love their defense. I love their roster. And obviously we know once Joe Burrow knocks some of the rust off coming back from his injury as his training camp was severely cut short in uh, this offense finds sunnier days, uh, I do believe they're going to be a really good football team, but division is a gauntlet. Uh, the AFC is a gauntlet. Um, and I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm really projecting out a little bit based on what I saw in week one and where we had them in the preseason and their offseason moves week one. It's hard to tell and draw conclusions. Um, but I didn't love, you know, that, that performance on on Sunday, but I still I still believe in Cincinnati, and as I said, I mean they could be any of these other teams that are ranked above them. They've already proven that. Uh, I just bumped them down a little bit. Yeah, um, I have a feeling we're going to have this top four probably the the exact same. We're probably on the same wavelength here. I had the Cincinnati Bengals at four as well. Um, one thing that I would say is this offense, you know, the, the talent is incredible, but it continues to be lacking in a little bit of creativity. Um, you know, you don't want to be too hard on Zach Taylor, you know, given the success that he's had. But at the same time, you look at an offense like Miami, you look at an offense like San Francisco, and you just, I mean, it's not the same level of innovation and, you know, high level play design. So that's, that's a question there. They've done a lot with, um, you know, not having creativity in the past, of course. So maybe that's overreaction, but I feel like at some point you gotta implement a little of that. Um, so for now, Cincinnati's at four. They're gonna they're gonna bounce back here. I'm not um, concerned in the slightest. Joe Burrow still Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase is still Jamar Chase. So right. at the end of the day, it's uh, they, it's they gonna will, be a top five offensive football most likely. They will get other guys. They'll get T Higgins involved. Right. They'll get their tight end. What what's their who's their tight end now? Um, Smith. Yeah, they'll get him involved. They'll run the football. Uh, you look at their schedule, they do play, they do host Baltimore this week, but then it eases up a little bit before their bye week. 
before coming out of their bye week, they have to go at San Francisco and host Buffalo, and then go at Baltimore, host Pittsburgh, and then go at Jacksonville, uh, and then host Indianapolis and Minnesota, then go at Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, and Cleveland. It is hell uh, after their bye week. But there's nothing that Cincinnati hasn't proven they can't handle. Uh, and I expect that they're going to be one of the teams that's there in the end. Uh, yep. If no major injuries or nothing crazy happens, right? So I did – okay. I still have San Francisco at three. Um, I have San Francisco at three. I bumped them above Cincinnati based on the performances from Sunday. I said this yesterday on our podcast, uh, and you should go check that out. It was our week one reaction, um, a new segment that we debuted yesterday. Really, really fun. We'll be doing it every week um, up until the playoffs start and when the playoffs start. Um I think you can make the argument that the quartet of George Kittle, when he's healthy, of course, Tebow Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and Brandon Ayuk, who looks like he's going to break out. I know it's only one game, but, I mean, if I think he's going to be a breakout player this year. Um, that quartet of offensive weapons around Brock Purdy um, – you can make the argument that's top to bottom, if not the best in the league, it's like top two or three best in the league. They have an excellent roster. D'Amico Ryan's left to take the Houston job, but that defense didn't doesn't seem to skip one beat. I think they probably have the best middle linebacker in the league. You can make the argument they have the best pass rusher in the league. Um I like their secondary. My my one question with San Francisco coming into the season, actually I had a couple, the health of Brock Purdy and that elbow, and then the offensive line. There are a couple spots on that offensive line I am concerned about, especially uh, the right tackle position. TJ Watt absolutely just – God, he had a field day with yeah. their right tackle on Sunday. That was about the only bright spot for Pittsburgh. But otherwise – Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches in the league, with what this team has proven year in, year out, being in the NFC Championship game, being there in the end. I think you could even make the argument, if you wanted to, that um, they're better than Philadelphia, but I'm not going to give them that yet. Um, so we'll see, but I love San Francisco. Absolutely love San Francisco. Yeah, I I had the same. I had San Francisco at three as well, and I I was really tempted to move them ahead of Philly. Um, I was too. But, yeah, and I think it. I think the only reason I didn't was one the right tackle spot, and two I think depth might play a factor as well. Um, as I said earlier, um, obviously. Injuries are a part of the game, and you know you hope that you kind of get lucky in that regard. But at the same time, you got to have quality depth. And I don't know um, where the 49ers stand on that front. And I feel a little bit more confident in the Eagles side of things. Um, and beyond that, I think I agree with you on Brandon Ayuk. I think 
um, as a number one, like traditional wide receiver. I think he's their quote unquote X receiver and probably right there with T Higgins as like a top level threat on the outside. And people forget he had over a thousand yards last year um, and was really important to that offense for a lot of the year. He has really good chemistry with Brock Purdy. I think um, Brandon Ayuk is going to break out and pretty soon he's going to be up there in consideration with some of the top receivers in football. Yeah. Um, he's incredible. He, he made, he made a hall of fame corner look absolutely silly yeah. on, on a Sunday afternoon in Pittsburgh, uh, Patrick Peterson. Um, that, that was impressive. I was blown away. I knew he was good. I knew he was, in fact, I knew he was really good, but that looked like top 10 receiver. I mean, he owned it. Yeah. He looked like Devontae Adams out there with that. Yeah. The uh, dreads. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then you add in Christian McCaffrey, who, when he's healthy, just, I mean, he, if it wasn't for quarterbacks, if quarterbacks did not exist, Christian McCaffrey would have like a, a real solid argument right now to like just give the MVP to that guy. If he plays yeah. a full 16 games with the amount that he's going to touch the ball, just give, I mean, give him the MVP. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, yeah. We know there's Justin Jefferson that exists. We know there's some other really, really great players, but man, he's really good. Um, they just have a bunch of players on that offense that if you're not ready to play, that team will make you look silly. Um, they'll embarrass you. Um, so, yeah, really high on San Francisco. I feel you at number two. Did you? Yep. Um, okay, let's have a conversation about the Eagles. We don't need to go necessarily back and forth now since there's some overlap here. Um, what do you – I mean, let's just start here. Um, Jalen Carter. Yeah. Holy cow. What the Eagles just continue to find guys and the strategy, guess what? The strategy of drafting guys from Georgia, <laughs> I think is working. Uh, yeah. they'll, continue, they'll continue to do it until it's proven that it doesn't work anymore. Uh, what they've built on both sides of the line of scrimmage with Jalen Hurts, who's obviously now uh, elite threat, both with his arm and his legs with AJ Brown. Devontae Smith, uh, all the weapons that they have, the running backs they brought in, their defense, although their team's probably not quite as deep as it was last year, but that's, I think, the nature of getting to a Super Bowl um, and almost winning it. Um, you, I mean, it happens to almost every team that gets there. You, you can't pay everybody once you get to a certain point, uh, but – they're still, until proven otherwise, until maybe the Cowboys assert themselves or a little more, or we see the Bengals uh, get back to being really elite and maybe the Eagles take a step back the next couple of weeks. I think they'll stick around at least in the top three of our power rankings uh, until we see otherwise. Uh, there's no reason to think right now that they're not – a top two team in football. They've done nothing yeah. else to dissuade us. They played a really good team, I think, on Sunday. 
Yeah, uh, so. I, I think so too. Um, my one gripe on the Eagles on Sunday was I I still have questions about them losing Shane Steichen, and especially um, with some of the play calling I saw in Indy Sunday as well. It looked like maybe he was the mastermind behind yeah. the. I don't know. I don't know what analogy to use there, but you get the point. Um, he looked like the a key guy behind this thing. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately they're going to figure it out, but we've seen in the past, especially with a team like the Bills, losing an offensive coordinator um, sometimes is kind of hard to overcome, and let alone losing both coordinators and Vic Fangio. So um, I think. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Um, the reason I still have them at number two, though, is just, I mean, this team is just ridiculous. Um, it, it just is, man. I i don't know what else to say. Like, you mentioned Jalen Carter, but it wasn't even just him. It was Nolan Smith as well. Another first-round pick out of Georgia that was just terrorizing the Patriots. I mean, um, to be fair, the Patriots did have, like, backups in at both guard spots but still man it, it was just it was brutal to watch if you were a Patriots fan I'm sure yeah and they're not they're not gonna slow down they're gonna keep doing what the Eagles have done and know who they are Jalen Hurts knows who he is um it's hard to stop AJ Brown much less when you pair him with Devontae Smith um yeah, I, they're until we see otherwise. Once again, they're they're top two and number one, despite losing to the Detroit Lions on uh, the opening night of the season Thursday night. They're number one still. Uh, they were missing Travis Kelsey and they clearly missed his presence a little bit. Uh, and they were also missing one of the better football players in the NFL and Chris Jones. Um, so if Kadarius Tony, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to have anyone catch any strays here on a Wednesday night, but if he catches a couple footballs, uh, I think that game may have turned out a little bit differently. Um, well, I don't, I don't think he would catch the stray anyway. I think he would drop it. <laughs> ha! Well, maybe so, but, um, not to take any shots at him, but I mean, those are footballs you got to catch. Yeah. Um, Detroit made the plays that they needed to to win that game. And to give them credit, I mean, that that drive in the fourth quarter that they had where they took, I don't know, what was it, eight-ish minutes off the – seven, eight-ish minutes off the clock, went down, scored a touchdown. That was impressive. I did not think yeah. that – I knew the Lions were going to be good. I thought they would be a good football team, but I didn't know – People had questions about whether or not they were ready for that in Arrowhead. Possibly the hardest place to play right now in the entire league. Um, and definitely one of the loudest. That, that I think, you know, they have Patrick Mahomes. That's all I'm going to say. They, they still have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. And when they get Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones back, I expect to see the Kansas City Chiefs that we've seen in the past four years yeah there's i mean if you really think about it um you didn't have travis kelsey and 
you still, after, you know, on the variance of things, even with, you know, all of the miscues at the receiver spot on, on Thursday, um, even with all of that, they, they, everybody on that wide receiver court probably played on the bottom end of their like variance. Right. And even with that, they only lost by one point. And if it wasn't for, if they make one more catch, they win that game. Like even the fourth and 25, that hit Sky Moore in the hands. It was, I mean, if, if Sky Moore catches that, we're talking about, oh, wow, Patrick Mahomes did it again. Another ridiculous play on fourth and 25. Uh, I mean, you just, you just can't move this team down. Also, the defense (laughs) looked pretty solid. It Um, did. It actually did. Trent McDuffie. I really love Trent McDuffie coming out in the draft. He looked really, really good. Um, Traverius Ward is still there um, making plays. I don't know, man. Um, I think there's reason to believe there's that this defense could be better than last year. And you're adding in Chris Jones and you're getting back Travis Kelsey. So what more can you really say? Yeah, um, you have Patrick Mahomes. I love their two young linebackers, uh, Nick Bolton and um, Willie Gay. Um, When they get Chris Jones back and when they get Travis Kelsey back, two of the top three players on that team, like that's a big deal, I think. Um, I think you can make, I mean, uh, in my opinion, at least, they're they're going to be the same old Chiefs, right? I mean, yep. what's, what's all that different? They still have Andy Reid, and as long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there uh, and healthy, they're they're probably not going to go much of anywhere outside of number one unless you know they have a little bit of a skid. Um, so I have Kansas City. So let's we have people now tuned in in case they missed it. Let's go back through our rankings, um, each of our each of our lists. So for me, I had and this is after week one. Um, so I had Baltimore eight. I had Miami 7, Buffalo 6, Dallas 5, Cincinnati 4, Philadelphia or sorry, San Francisco 3, Philadelphia 2 and Kansas City 1. All right, for me I had the Cleveland Browns at 8, uh Bills at 7, Dolphins at 6, Cowboys at 5, Bengals at 4, Eagles at I oh don't know 49ers at three, Eagles at two, Chiefs at one. Um, but we still um, – we got this all done in about 40 minutes. So um, I guess since we have some people here live, if you have any questions about like the NFL or anything, just like um, put something in the live chat and we'll just have a discussion about it. Um, there also was one other thing that I think would be a fun conversation. I think – maybe a conversation around the jets and possible trade targets or something of that nature could be pretty fun. Yeah. The jets were a team we had originally slotted in at number seven in our preseason rankings. Obviously they lose Aaron Rodgers. That's top story in sports right now, outside of Deion Sanders in Colorado. Um, So yeah, absolutely. What, where are we going? Are we going quarterback? What do you think the Jets? Where where do the Jets look now? Let's start with that. 
Well, I think it, it comes down to what their preference is between what their options are, Zach Wilson, or waiting and taking someone in the draft that went in round one. Because they keep their first round pick now that Aaron Rodgers um, is going to miss the entire season. That pick is going to be a second round pick now. So depending on where they draft, and this is a historically deep QB class. Um, I mean, I could see them drafting a QB. Or if they did want to make a move and get someone, in terms of guys I think would be um, a better option than Zach Wilson, um, it, it's a really limited group. <laughs> but um, Jacoby Brissett was someone that popped into my head. Um, he filled in for the Browns last year. He played decent. And with how good the Jets defense is, I mean, yeah. it, that could be an okay fit there. Um, another guy that popped into my head was maybe um, Carson Wentz. But at, at the same time, like, are you really going to go out and get Carson Wentz rather than just stick with Zach Wilson? So it's a, it's a really weird balance here. Um, I think – most likely, they're just going to stick with Zach Wilson. Yeah, I would. I would most likely stick with it. God, I can't speak now. I stick with Zach Wilson. Uh, look, this Jets team, despite all the things you can criticize Zach Wilson for, right on the football field, won seven games last year, um, and we're close to winning eight, nine games. If a couple games go you know, the opposite. And you can say that about pretty much any team, but I mean, it stands as is that this team won seven games last year and look, they found a way to win against a, a, a top eight team in football, according to both of us, at least <laughs> um, on, on Monday night, on a night where it could have very easily gotten, I think, ugly pretty fast. Yeah. Um, when Aaron Rodgers went out in the, the wind was knocked out of that stadium, that life. Um, but defense, I think, is top top caliber, top five or six in football. Queen Williams is an absolute game wrecker. I mean, I've I really never seen anything like it outside of a couple guys, Aaron Donald. Um, he's uh, Considering how young he is, he's got a bright, bright future and career ahead of him. Uh, love Sauce Gardner. Love their defense. I actually, through watching Hard Knocks, and I know Hard Knocks is Hard Knocks. Um, I, I've grown on Robert Sala as a head coach. I really like him. Uh, you can, I mean, you can nitpick some things. I don't, I don't love, you know, defensive coaches with mediocre, limited quarterbacks. If that. I mean, I don't know if you can even call Zach Wilson that at this point. Uh, you do have a ceiling, I think. But that defense is awesome. And if this goes south, you ultimately get your pick of the litter, pretty much, from one of the deepest quarterback drafts that we've seen. I'm not going to go as far as to say it's one of the deeper, deepest quarterback drafts ever, but it's hard not to believe that it's not, right? I mean, you you go up and down. I mean, I can name ten guys right now. Yeah, that 
are going to be drafted. And that doesn't even include maybe a guy or two that, you know, just comes out of nowhere this year in college football. So um, it's really deep. And for now, I'd stick with, with Zach Wilson. If you're going to do anything, don't do anything too crazy. Maybe go Jacoby Brissett, but I wouldn't go for anything much crazier than that. Yeah. Do you, do you think the Titans would be, um, would be open to trading Ryan Tannehill? I don't, I don't think they would, but, um, he popped into my head and then Jameis Winston also. I just, not right now, not right now, right? When you step, mm-hmm. when they still maybe have, trade deadline if things go south, of course. When they still have everything in front of them, maybe at the trade deadline. But a couple of questions I need to know the answers to: What is Tannehill's contract? Because right. I think there's still the possibility that Aaron Rodgers comes back next year, um, and then you know, I don't know. I, I personally, I just wait until the draft and get your higher upside guy. But, it, I mean, it's fun to think about, right? What if, you know, the Jets surprise some people, say they're four and two after six weeks, um, they want to go for it, try to, you know, do as much as they can to contend in the AFC to a certain extent, right? Um, maybe that happens, uh, but I, I don't know. I think right now you stick with Zach Wilson, let it play out, see how it goes. And then, I mean, if you're going to be bad, if it's going to go south, this is one of the years that isn't so bad to go in that direction. Yeah. I, a, a super long shot. <laughs> I just think it would be hilarious if, like, Tom Brady just said, screw it. <laughs> I'm going to go to the team that Bill Belichick hates the most and unretire. No, that would, that would never happen. But it, it's, it's a thought that's popped into my head. We're just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, like we said before, um, the two of you that are still here, um, thanks for being here. But um, if you have any like anything you'd like to see us discuss here in this, these last like five minutes we're, on, we're live here, um, go ahead and – you know, drop something in the chat and then we'll, uh, we'll give our thoughts on it. Um, is, was there any other subject that you thought, um, we didn't really touch on yesterday and you might want to talk about the only one I can really think of is maybe the conversation around Justin Fields. Yeah, maybe, maybe I think with the last five minutes, let's talk about tomorrow's game. Um, okay, yeah. Since we're doing it live, we can do a little preview here of Thursday night football. Um, it's, I think, the Vikings and the Eagles, right? In Philly. In Philly. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, they're, the Eagles re- leading rusher from Sunday, isn't going to play, it looks like. Well, he's still, he's still questionable. Um, so it looks like it'll be Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, and DeAndre Swift as their three backs, most likely. Okay. Well, what what are you watching for 
Um, obviously, Minnesota is looking to rebound off a off a really tough loss um, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's on a short week, going to Philadelphia. Not going to be easy whatsoever. Um, what are you What are you watching for, and who would you pick? Um. Well, one of the main things is can Minnesota pass protect? Um, that's first and foremost. Can they pass protect? Because that Eagles front, that's going to be the main question you ask, no matter who the Eagles are playing, um, <laughs> especially for the Vikings, who at the guard spot probably have one of the biggest liabilities in football um, at the moment. Um, so that'll be an interesting point. And then number two, can they have some guys they can rely on outside of Justin Jefferson? Um, Jordan Addison had moments. TJ Hawkins had had his moments, but, um, I think one of the key things they did in the offseason was they tried to add more to that receiving core. And this is the game where I think it's got to come into fruition because the Eagles are going to do everything to take away Justin Jefferson and they have the personnel to do it. So Kirk's going to have to find somebody else to rely on, I, I think, a little bit. Um, and if they can't, then it, it might get ugly. Yeah, on a short week on the road going to Philly, you have a, a spot on your offensive line that's a severe weakness right now. Uh, with a defense that you know is really it's really tough to overcome uh, the the situation that I think Minnesota is facing right now on a short week going to Philly after that loss. Uh, there's not a whole lot of time to prepare. Um, you know, I just don't feel great about what tomorrow holds for Minnesota, but maybe, just maybe, uh, you know, this is the NFL. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins will clean up some of the things that happened week one. Right. Uh, as you said, Philly's going to do everything in their power to take away Justin Jefferson. So you're going to need, you know, a KJ Osborne. You're going to need, Jordan Addison, but I think Philly ultimately will probably win both sides of the line of scrimmage uh, with that offensive line and their defensive line. And I don't think that bodes particularly well for Minnesota. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really dug much into uh, this game yet, but I'm really excited to watch it. I'm hoping for a close game. I'm uh, hoping this is more of what we get on Thursday night football this year. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything else? Parting shots. Um, my one parting shot is that I believe in my Cowboys this year. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and uh, I'm ready to get hurt again, <laughs> I guess is uh, the main thing. Ho hopefully I don't, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, if, if that's what it ends up being. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the state of Texas, you got Longhorn fans drinking a bunch of burn orange Kool-Aid ready to potentially, I don't think it's heading this way, but maybe, maybe they get hurt again. Um, and then you have the Dallas Cowboys now who are maybe, joining that conversation where their fans are drinking some Kool-Aid 
uh, and hoping not to be fooled uh, again. Uh, but as I said earlier, um, another live show coming up. Maybe, just maybe, since we finished this earlier than I thought, uh, I can get someone to hop on with me for like 30 minutes talking Texas Bama and what that game meant on Wednesdays. We still really haven't revealed our full thoughts uh, from that game. Uh, and then talk a little AM Miami. Uh, maybe I can get Emmy to hop on with me real fast and we'll do a condensed version of Dit Hole uh, as we have probably a bigger episode of Dit Hole tomorrow with a special guest, actually. Um, do you want to introduce what you know about our special guest tomorrow? Yeah. Um, so as I revealed last week, I'm a brand ambassador for an app called Live Take now. So um, basically I went on there just asking some people like, would you want to come on the podcast? And this guy in particular, he's an SEC fan, um, LSU fan as well. So big college football guy. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna discuss some uh, college football hot takes, buy and sell. That that's the main premise of the episode tomorrow. Yeah, we'll also be doing uh, top two teams in each conference, which I think will be fun. Uh, so that will be the bulk of tomorrow. Uh, but there is another live show here that will get started probably less than twenty minutes after we sign off here. Uh, from our NFL power rankings. So go check out our content from yesterday. Go check out our preseason content, which still holds mostly relevant uh, as of right now. Our power rankings, uh, 20 through, I guess it would be nine. And then, of course, we did our power rankings tonight. You can see eight through one that we originally had uh, from the preseason that we didn't get to at this at the very outset of this episode. When you go rewatch it, you can see where we had those teams ranked. And then, of course, we gave you our list after week one. Hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Hopefully, y'all will be back uh, for Dit Hole coming up here in about 15, 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes at the most. Uh, and we will see you next week for NFL reactions after week two. Enjoy the weekend of football and make sure you tune in to Deep in the Heart of Longhorn Sports. But for now, just like um, – shoot, I don't want to I don't want to take any shots at uh, – just like A&M's chances of living up to the hype, <laughs> whatever hype there may have been, we are going, going, gone. Peace, Peace out. out. Is the button good?
and the Bengals go two of th- of fourteen on third downs. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen again. Um, offensive line struggled, uh, but that Browns defensive front played really well on Sunday. Um, I don't think anyone's panicking. Uh, this Bengals team is still going to be, I think, one of the AFC's best when the sun comes out. Uh, they're going to get some better conditions, hopefully. I don't think that's going to happen again with T. Higgins, but you're right. He's got to be more involved. And that type of offense just wasn't right for the conditions uh, on Sunday afternoon against a defense that came ready to play. They were ready. Yeah. yeah. And they jumped on the Bengals early. So, um yeah, I think they'll rebound. It's nothing to be too concerned about. But you obviously in this next – I'm not sure who Cincinnati plays this. I think it's Baltimore. Yeah, um, Baltimore. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. you don't want to fall to 0-2 <laughs> in, in your division right off the bat. So they need to get that cleaned up fairly quickly. Yeah, um, I think – for the for these last five minutes or so, we just shout out a few players that we thought. Um, I guess we can start with one positive player, and then we do one negative player, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Um, for me personally, I just wanted to shout out Trevor Lawrence. Um, there's a big game next week against the Chiefs, obviously at home, and some of the throws that he made. Oh my goodness! I mean, it was just. He was just putting on a clinic. Um, I think that chemistry with Calvin Ridley is only going to get better. Um, he was a little bit quiet in the second half, but I don't think it was. Uh, it w- I don't think it was that he wasn't looking for Calvin Ridley. I think it's just they got to continue to get experience together and learn to dial things up a little bit more. Uh, but man, Trevor Lawrence, that first touchdown pass to Zay Jones down the right sideline. That may have been the best throw of the weekend. Yeah, it's why, I mean, he was talked about as one of the best quarterbacks to ever come out of college. Yeah. Uh, one of the best quarterback prospects ever come out of college. He's showing that. And, I mean, how are you feeling if you're the Jaguars? I mean, you didn't play, I think, your best on Sunday. But now you're sitting pretty at 1-0. Um, now, you don't have it. It's not going to be easy, obviously, and we don't expect the Chiefs, the Bengals, some of the teams that lost the Bills to keep on losing. But you got a little bit of a head start. You didn't play your yeah. best. You won a game against a divisional rival. You're one and zero. Can feel. I mean, in the NFL, a win is a win. Yeah. Especially on Sundays when you struggle and are st- still able to win. Uh, that's a sign of a good football team. From one quarterback to another, though, from Trevor Lawrence to another quarterback in the AFC, Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, on Sunday. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. <sighs> what do we even say about that performance? That was unreal. I mean, for one, um, the out of structure plays, getting outside the pocket, and just throwing darts down the field. I think as time has gone on, he's just gotten more and more confident in what he's seeing in the offense. He's throwing with anticipation. He's it's just so, so accurate. Um, I mean, man, I, I don't even, 
I don't even know what to say anymore. I think um, for for the Dolphins, if Tua stays healthy, this thing like this thing is rolling. Um, you're gonna figure out the defensive side of the ball eventually. I have confidence in Vic Fangio uh, being that defensive coordinator, but the offensive side, like you're there um, now. You just gotta avoid injuries and just keep it rolling, man. Um, Tua was phenomenal and. I just think of that one play. Um, Tyreek Hill goes in short motion down the right side. They dial up to make it look like a wheel route. And the Chargers corner was sitting on the wheel route. And it turned into a deep dig. <laughs> and it, it and the Chargers corner got spun around and just had no chance. Um, just no shot at all. Um, man, I... Mike McDaniel is a excuse my language, but Mike McDaniel is a fucking genius. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Um you sent me that play, I think it was yesterday, and I watched it this morning. I was like, oh shit. Uh, that yeah. is next level. Yeah. Um the Dolphins, man, I mean you gotta be feeling pretty good after I know it's only week one. Uh, but the Bills let one get away. The Patriots still looked, I think, pretty good. Aside from that first quarter, they looked like a good football team, I thought. They definitely Sunday did. Yeah. Against the Eagles. Yeah, um, good stuff for Mac Jones. They're not going to be an easy out. Uh, good stuff for Mac Jones. Uh, but Rodgers obviously goes down. Um, and the Bills, I mean, they're going to be there in the end, I think. But you got to feel pretty good if you're the Dolphins playing that well on offense in week one with your quarterback, who we've had some questions about. If he stays healthy. He's going to put up huge numbers this year. And that team is fast. Like, I don't oh know. Gosh. I don't know how you guard that team. What do you do if you're on defense? Like, you just got to, I mean, probably going to have to score. You just got to outscore them. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And the Chargers almost did it, to be fair. I – Ah, I, we can finish this thing by talking about the charges a little bit because I I got something I gotta say. Um, Here we go again. Oh my goodness, the Chargers are gonna charge her. Um, <laughs> let me paint the picture for y'all. Just before the first half, the Chargers are driving down the field. There's 12 seconds on the clock. Justin Herbert goes on a short scramble, slides. They call timeout with like 10 seconds. Or wait. No, no. He 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 does like a short scramble. He slides inbounds. They call timeout with 12 seconds left instead of waiting for it to go down to like four seconds. So that would have been the last play of the game. Or of the so it would have been it would have been the last play of the first half. So instead, they kicked the field goal, missed, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> or if they did make it. They ended up being like 10 seconds on the clock for the Dolphins. Gave up a pass interference on a, on a chuck down the field. And then the Dolphins got a field goal and went into the halftime in the lead. Just, oh my, just the most Chargers thing I've ever seen. Just the most Chargers thing I've ever seen in my life. Just ridiculous. In position, um, in position to win, in position to win, elite quarterback. Quarterback that keeps you in the game, even when he doesn't play his best. 
a, an offense that looked really, really good and went toe-to-toe with the Dolphins on Sunday. I mean, Austin Eckler continues to be uh, one of the elite guys in this in this league. Uh, you know, Herbert committed a critical intentional grounding penalty with the game on the line. In coaching, you know, excuse me, the in-game coaching from Brandon Staley, which we've had our fair share of questions about, obviously, was not good on Sunday. Um, still pretty suspect. Uh, and I'm a little concerned about that defense. I know the Dolphins are a little bit of a outlier in terms of the speed that they, you know, present and all the things that they do on offense. Uh, but man, I just, we, we talked about it in our preview. If you didn't listen to that, go back and listen to that. We expressed concern. We expressed yeah. these exact concerns in our preview, maybe in a little bit of a different fashion, but they were there. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know the Chargers schedule. I think they'll still be a, uh, you know, a team that's competing for the playoffs. I'm not going to overreact or anything, but yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, they just continue to find ways to lose games that they should win. Yeah, th- this team is ready, man. This roster is so good. And and to be fair to, you know, Brandon Staley calling the defensive plays, there were moments where he dialed up the right defensive play call and they had their defenders in the right spot and Tua just threw a perfect throw and you couldn't do anything about it. But at the same time, there's just there just comes a point in time, man, where you're a defensive head coach yeah. and you're supposed to, you know, come in, be the head coach of this team while also having a good defense. And they have never had that. So we'll see what happens the rest of the year. But man, I the Chargers piss me off, honestly. That that team should be so much better than what they are. Yeah, it's it's a little bit concerning when you're the head coach, you have a side of the ball, and that side of the ball continues to let your team down. It seems week after week. Um, you know, when we look at the elite coaches, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Mike McDaniel, I think is, you know, getting into this conversation. Those offensive coaches, most of those offenses are really, really good. There are exceptions. Yeah. Uh, you know, Zach Taylor had a bad week. Um, but they have their side of the ball ready re- ready to go um, most weeks, including Mike Tomlin. Like, that defense is usually what allows Pittsburgh yeah. to stay competitive and win games and end up somehow with a winning record at the end of the season. Um but I don't know, man. We'll see. Um, so we went a little over, but that's okay. Uh, that's going to do it. Thank you to our one viewer. I think we had two at one point, but right. thank you to our one viewer. This is going to be a weekly thing, the Raw Rundown. It's going to be a weekly thing. It'll depend. It's going to be Monday or Tuesday, I'm pretty sure. Um, but we're going to try to do it on a consistent basis like we did last year. And then things will change a little bit for the playoffs, uh, but that's a long way away. So we don't have to worry about that right now. Continue to tune in to my Deep in the Heart of Longhorns podcast. 
it's been a little difficult the past couple weeks with the lead up to the Bama game, Labor Day, the holiday. Um, but we'll get back on track here. Uh, I'm either going to do it right after this or tomorrow, and then I'll have Emmy on Thursday. Um, so you still will get your two episodes per week. Going into next week, going into conference play, we should get back to a regular schedule. Uh, but the past two weeks have been difficult. And then we have other content coming for y'all. Uh, I mean, I have some stuff to talk about once we get off air about our schedule for September. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. Love this episode. This is a good first run. Uh, and we'll see that we're in for a really good week, too. There are some really good games week, two. So looking forward to it. Yep. Should be fun. Go ahead and sign us off, man. Yeah, just like the Steelers' chances on Sunday against the 49ers, and just like the Giants' chances after that first drive and after that missed field goal against the Cowboys on Sunday night. We are going, going, gone. Peace out. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets.